This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. From Bitcoin to Dogecoin, cryptocurrency is here to stay and is coming to a nonprofit near you. But I would venture to say that the majority of you are very skeptical when it comes to cryptocurrency in general, but certainly when it comes to your nonprofit's fundraising efforts. In fact, I'd love to get some feedback from you. I would like to know how many of you, my listeners, utilize cryptocurrency as part of your philanthropic and fundraising strategy. You can just email me at rob at ccofpc.org. Again, just email me. Let me know. I would love to hear from you. Rob at C as in Charlie, C as in Charlie, O as in Oscar, F as in Frank, P as in Paul, C as in Charlie.org. I'm really interested to find out how many of you are actually using cryptocurrency. Now, here to talk all about cryptocurrency and the future of philanthropy is Robbie Heger. He is the CEO of Endowment. I think he'll be both surprised and intrigued about all that Robbie shares. He will give us a tutorial on all things cryptocurrency. Enjoy today's show. Well, cryptocurrency, it's all the rage on the one hand, but there's a high skepticism about it especially in the realm of philanthropy because of the concern over long-term sustainability. So for my audience, Robbie, who may not be fully aware of cryptocurrency, just start out by giving us a 30,000-foot level, two-minute overview of this. What is cryptocurrency and why should my audience pay attention to it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's great to be here, Rob. And I, I think this is a great place to start because it's important that we demystify or uh, demyth some of the assumptions about cryptocurrency. And for me, the way that has always clicked the most quickly about how to think about cryptocurrency is through a metaphor about various previous iterations of the internet. And so really, cryptocurrency is an internet innovation. It's, it's a new era of web development. So the web came out in the late 80s, under the military, 90s to the consumer. And, and when the web first came out, it, it was, you know, everybody had to go and run and get a dot-com. You know, there was the dot-com craze. You had basically any word dot-com and there were businesses everywhere. And, and the first phase of the internet was really taking the world's information and indexing it into a network of servers sprinkled all around the world. And that created immense value for society, right? When you could Google something and all of a sudden just get an answer to any question in the world, no matter where you were in the world, that was, that was revolutionary technology. And, and, and that's what we're talking about when we say indexing the world's information. It means you save it onto databases, categorize it, make it searchable, make it interactable with anybody on the internet. So that's Web 1.0. Web 2.0 indexed the world's people onto the internet. And what do I mean by 
indexing the world's people? Well, look at the companies that were prolific during the second era of the web's development of Internet 2.0. And you have companies like Facebook, like Twitter, like Yelp and people voicing their opinions about restaurants and uh, like all the different social networks that we have right now that are a part of social media are the product of indexing the world's people into the internet. And that's really the web 2.0 phase of the internet. That's what we've been living in for the past five to 10 years, really since the first dot-com bubble popped. And what's happening with cryptocurrency and what I will call digital assets for most of the conversation here, is that we are now in a phase of internet development where we are indexing the world's value. So we're taking the things of value that exist in the world and indexing them into a smattering of servers sprinkled all over the world that are securely holding those things of value through this technology called a blockchain. Honestly, that was one of the best descriptions of how you kind of went from web 1.0 all the way to cryptocurrency. Thank you for that. Honestly, I think it's super helpful. I hope it'll be helpful for my listeners. Okay. Now I understand that your organization endowment uses donor advised funds or DAFs to convert cryptocurrency donations into US dollar grants for US charities, as well as philanthropic causes. So talk to us, how does this work exactly? So at endowment, we call ourselves the first community foundation built for the crypto community. Or another term that we use a lot is called uh, DeFi, which is short for decentralized finance. And decentralized finance is really one of the first subsets of applications in this internet of value that's really hitting that product market community fit. It is the first services that are out there in this internet of exchanging and transacting that really click to a bunch of users all around the world. There are tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of DeFi users at this point. And what DeFi is, is a collection of new companies offering financial services that mirror financial services in the traditional finance sector, like lending, like derivatives or stock options, like yield-bearing products, interest-bearing products, bonds and such that are replicated using this new internet of value. They use the, the, the blockchain as the facilitator of these services. And because they use the blockchain as the facilitator, it is inherently decentralizing the control over that service from one bank or one individual to a collection of people all collaborating together to provide that service, to put up the capital to back a loan or to put up the other side of a trade in a margin trade, right? And what we're doing at Endowment as the first community foundation for decentralized finance is we're providing financial services that would normally be provided by a community foundation in the traditional finance space, but using the new infrastructure to facilitate those financial services. So we started with donor advised funds, and we've grown now to also support what we call community funds, which are really field of interest funds. 
where we have a panel or some sort of rubric that's coming together to design grant-making options and pools donations from a large number of donors, while the donor-advised fund is more directed towards individual giving. Interesting. Okay, so for a typical community foundation, there's always a fee right involved because they're doing a lot of this management of the funds and they're dealing with whatever, you know, potentially taxes or, you know, giving reports to donors and, and contributors. Talk to me about that. Is that what endowment does? Do you outsource that? How does it work in terms of internally with your organization in terms of all those kind of behind the scenes administrative tasks? What's exciting about working in such a new space where you're building the technology that accompanies the service is that you get to start from square one and you get to look at the broader space and say, you know, what works and what doesn't right now for the business model of this absolutely explosively growing corner of the philanthropic industry. And and so when we looked at the other DAF providers that, you know, command the vast majority of DAF assets in the United States, Nearly all of them run on a sort of assets under management fee schedule where based on like sort of an average quarterly balance, you're charged a fee that is a sliding scale depending on how much money you've put into your DAF. This is great because it allows people to grow their impact. Like that's the selling point for lots of DAF providers. And the argument is that more money gets given away over time. Saw the criticism of DAFs that say, you know, this encourages that this current business model for the big national DAFs, they do best when the cash is sitting idle in the account for as long as possible. That's how they accrue the most fees against the value of the DAF. And and that felt sort of antithetical to the spirit of the DAF, right? We're trying to have an impact in these organizations. the, The end recipient doesn't actually receive the capital until the grant recommendation is made. And to us, We wanted to try and build a system that was focused on throughput, that was receiving the bulk of our reward when the money actually flowed out of the DAF. And so the way that our fee structure is set up, and thank you for tolerating this roundabout, very long-winded answer, is that we don't charge assets under management fees. We charge a lifetime fee that's processed with 50 basis points on the way in and 100 basis points on the way out. Now, very interesting. Okay, so for a lot of people, as I said at the outset, the idea of using cryptocurrency brings a lot of skepticism, even fear that this money is not really reliable, it's not sustainable. So how do you overcome people's skepticism about these issues? So skepticism is healthy. You know, I think it means we're on to something in my perspective. And we try to mitigate the skepticism in a couple of ways. One is by using the world's most trusted, most transparently audited, and easiest to on-off-ramp dollar-backed stablecoin called USDC. A stablecoin for those people outside of the crypto space is basically is a crypto asset whose value is pegged to the dollar or to another currency. So one USDC, which is the currency that we operate all of our funds in, on-chain is always equal to one US dollar. And every month, a selection of accounting firms publicly release audits of the bank accounts that hold the equivalent dollars alongside the number of tokens that have been issued ever. And so it's kind of like a more transparent version of all the dollars is worth all the gold in Fort Knox. They're basically doing this publicly through private companies, you know, through Circle Internet Financial and then like the big four accounting firms that audit their 
the balance sheet. So that's big skepticism alleviation tactic. Number one is use stable coins, right? Use something that doesn't have the same volatility that in fact has no volatility in the eyes of the nonprofit, right? Like by the time a nonprofit is asked to come onto endowment and claim a grant recommendation, the value of the gift is set in stone. There's no fluctuation to that value of that gift. You're receiving, if you're a nonprofit organization, receiving a grant from an endowment fund, you're receiving that grant either as a direct wire payment into your existing US bank account or as stable coins into a crypto wallet if you are in a position where you already have a crypto wallet set up for your organization. 95 plus percent of our organizations onboarded onto endowment are using bank wires because it's effortless and they already have it. And the fees are pretty you know, negligible. It's a one-time wire fee. And you know, as long as a grant is of a you know, certain size, it, it tends to sort of come out in the wash. And I think the fact that we operate in stable coins and that it's coming into a, an, an organization's bank account as dollars is like first really big exhale. Glad you said that because I think that huge, I, right there, even me listening to that, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. It is completely tied to the US dollar. Now talk about, I think why I'll ask the next question is because when we think cryptocurrency, we immediately go to Bitcoin and all the conversations about Bitcoin. So maybe talk about that, break that down a little bit because Bitcoin is totally uh, managed differently as I understand it. It's not based on the US dollar, but maybe uh, I'm incorrect in that. So maybe you can talk about Bitcoin because it seems like that's, is a Dogecoin, Bitcoin, a lot of those, are the ones you see in the news a lot, which I understand base its value on something very different. Maybe you can talk about that. Yeah, so there are thousands of cryptocurrencies and there are millions of digital assets when you start to think about NFTs, non-fungible tokens, which are basically unique, unique coins rather than one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin, right? That's a fungible token, right? And NFTs are, this NFT is unique from this other NFT, which is unique from all other NFTs, right? So that's a non-fungible token. So, you know, you've been hearing a lot about NFTs in the marketplace, and we've actually been doing a lot of like charity auctions with NFTs, which is a fun thing we can talk about and, and raising some really real money with NFTs. And there are millions of them. And they are getting speculated on through open, efficient markets, both centralized and decentralized. So there are people like Coinbase, Binance, uh, Kraken, all sorts of centralized exchanges who create markets in the same way that Apple's stock price goes up and down, Bitcoin's stock price goes up and down effectively, right? So the price of Bitcoin goes up and down effectively. And Bitcoin is the first. They are the original. They were released in 2008 by an anonymous developer or group of developers named Satoshi Nakamoto. Dogecoin, which we've heard a lot about, is the same exact not the same exact, but very similar code to Bitcoin, just rebranded with a dog as the face of the coin because they thought it would be fun and cool. And so it's the same base technology effectively as Bitcoin, but it just has a dog as the picture of the coin. And lo and behold, like that has created community and people have bought into that community and their community ownership is actually a real asset that they can hold and that can matriculate in value. And that's built this sort of viral growth mechanism for Doge. And that's how we wind up with Doge. And us at Endowment, we're built on Ethereum, which is the number two cryptocurrency by size. By, by all of the value kind of held inside the cryptocurrency or, or, or the total market cap. 
And we're built on Ethereum because Ethereum is a next step from Bitcoin, where with Bitcoin, you could transact between two people without knowing the other person and being able to do it entirely trustlessly where you're transacting with Bitcoin. And that's the that service that Bitcoin provides is part of the speculative value of Bitcoin. And so that's where the speculation and the in the in the volatility comes from is in people sort of hypothesizing about where and what people are going to do with this new internet of value. Remember like that's there there's no Facebook stock to buy in the internet of value. There are crypto tokens that go with networks that provide services. And in the same way that Facebook provided a service as a centralized company in web 2.0 or Google provided a service as a search engine in web 1.0, what you have is protocols, decentralized protocols providing a service with a native token, right? That is their cryptocurrency. So Ethereum has Ether or ETH. Bitcoin has Bitcoin or BTC. Filecoin has Filecoin which or FIL. And so all of these different currencies are basically the, the, the core governance mechanism while also being the utility that keeps the system functioning that keeps the system healthy, that keeps the service chugging along because it's the reward that you get for helping to provide that service as one of those servers who are sprinkled around the world. This is, again, such an interesting conversation because so much of this, I think my listeners will have to replay because there's so much information that's new and uh, keep everything straight. But I really appreciate it. I could tell you've really uh, mastered a lot of this information. Now, we, when we go to actual practical using it for a nonprofit, what role do you see cryptocurrency playing for nonprofits when it comes to philanthropy? I mean, is this something that every nonprofit should be fully engaged with today? Is this something they should start looking into and researching? Give me kind of a sense of like, what's the urgency that uh, nonprofits really get in the game, so to speak, of cryptocurrency? The most important thing I can say to your listeners here, I think, is that If you're approached with a cryptocurrency donor, it is not some dark money, scary, illegal thing that they have. And the infrastructure for your organization to accept that donation as dollars directly into your US bank account is very much within your grasp. And that's what endowment is here to help with. We accept basically every single cryptocurrency, whether it's an NFT all the way up to Bitcoin and everything in between. And if you get approached by a cryptocurrency donor, it might be the first time you accept crypto, but lean into that experience because the infrastructure is there and there are people out there who really want to help you come into this space. We'll be right back. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I want to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country and even from different countries, all trying to make their world better. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. 
Now, finally, if you want to get my monthly email update that contains more resources in addition to these episodes, it's really easy. Just go to my website at nonprofitleadershippodcast.org and simply type your email address in the top right-hand box, and you'll be added to our monthly email update. And this way, you'll never miss any of the interviews or extra content from this show. And if you have any questions or comments, do not hesitate to email me. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. No, that's great. Uh, very interesting. Very helpful again. And now this is my understanding as of now, if someone wants to donate through crypto, it requires setting up some kind of, you know, with a major administrator of a DAF, such as Fidelity, Vanguard, or Swab, you know, setting up an account or going to each charity individually, of course, just writing a check or going to the website, right? But I understand that you're providing another option. So talk about how you bridge that gap between rapidly changing cryptocurrency, which you've been talking about, and the world of philanthropy. Sure. Donor advised fund providers in the industry have been starting to accept crypto, which is fantastic. We support it and we love to see it. It is is good for us that other DAP providers are beginning to share the crypto gospel or, or, or be open to the giving. It means the giving is there and that the capital is ready to be given. What donors don't need to do anymore is move out of the crypto first. You know, in the United States, if you give an appreciated asset, at long-term capital gains, you can deduct that to the fullest extent of the law um, without having to sell it first and pay the tax obligation on the large gain that you have. And what endowment does is provide the broadest subset of these new digital assets the opportunity to have that gift choreography, where they're not selling it first for dollars and then writing a check to an organization. And we also wanted to make that process easy for organizations. So if you run an organization and you're interested in receiving cryptocurrency gifts, but don't have the infrastructure to go or the in-house support to go and sign up for a brokerage account or the budget to go and pay a service provider, you can approach endowment with just your existing bank account and effectively will take on the burden of liquidating the gift of getting the tax receipt to the donor and getting the grant recommendation into your bank account. And so we really are thrilled with the fact that we have this sort of full end-to-end donor-advised fund experience without compromising on the way the gift comes in or the way the gift goes out. Very, very helpful information. Now, this is a little more looking into the future. I do feel like you're very much on the cutting edge in terms of cryptocurrency and how nonprofits can really take advantage of that. So congrats to that being one of the first out there and really setting the stage, if you will, or setting the foundation maybe is a better metaphor. And now as we look into the next three to five years, what's your prediction in terms of what percentage of a nonprofit's philanthropy will come from cryptocurrency? What do you think about that? I'm certainly bullish on the future of cryptocurrency, digital assets in general, on the tokenization of the world's value. I think three to five years is just around the corner, and it's going to take some time for this to permeate into our society and for it to be the place where people have significant value or significant new gains where they want to give that away. You know, I, I, I think maybe in the next three to five years, maybe 10, 10 to 20% of philanthropy. And that would be a huge percentage, I think. Um, and that would be a really significant number too. That would be like, you know, well into the billions, uh, you know, if not hundreds. And um, 
I'm sure one of your listeners will will email me and tell me that my numbers are all off and wrong. Um, you know, I'm sort of I, I'm sort of out of my depth. I acknowledge that I'm I am not up to date on my latest sort of total, you know, like market sizing numbers. But you know, we are here to not wait around for a specific percentage for us to think that it's time for some of this new asset class to be moving into philanthropy. We want to be there from the early days and we want to help this community that is predominantly younger and has never been philanthropic or, or, or hasn't had the capital to be philanthropic before to be thinking about the impact that they can have on the world as the industry blooms rather than after the industry blooms. And so we're really trying to grow with the industry and and establish ourselves as sort of one of several, but really, uh, you know, the premier and and most full-featured philanthropic institution in the crypto space. And and so if that's interesting to you and you want to come spend time working on that problem set, we would love to have you. And really, I think there's there's a huge part of it that's just out of our hands. It really matters where value is created in the global economic climate, you know, going forward. And if the crypto industry continues to grow, there will be people who want to have an impact with it. And that will drive philanthropic giving in the same way that, you know, if there's another industry that balloons, that you see a whole new cohort of philanthropists kind of emerge from that from that industry. And, and so we're really trying to serve the crypto space in a way that speaks to their core values and is around from the beginning in the hope that it becomes a big part of the culture. Well, I think that this conversation is going to spur a lot of questions. So for my listeners who want to get to know a little bit more about you and more about your organization Endowment, where would you send them? Like, what would be the best way to get a hold of you? Um, Endowment is best found probably through Twitter at endowment.org. All spelled out, no periods, just, you know, in, endowment.org with endowment spelled D-A-O instead of D-O-W. So E-N-D-A-O-M-E-N-T-D-O-T-O-R-G. Uh, there you'll find a link to our Discord. Um, you could also visit docs.endowment.org to read all of our, everything from our bylaws to all of our policies to how-to guys on how to open a fund to how to even create your own crypto wallet, or if you're an organization, how to claim your account with your bank account. We have great how-to guides at docs.endowment.org. And you know you can always ping me if, if none of that is, is easy to find. Um, I'm at Robbie Heger on Twitter, Robbie at endowment.org. I, I would love to hear from you. It really is like a huge joy to my day when somebody pings us from an endow- from, from a podcast that we did. Um, it, it warms my heart. It's like, it's like, oh my gosh, people listened uh, and they thought it was cool. Yeah, it's like, it's the best feeling. So we'd love to hear from you. And really, we have a whole staff that is here to help help you with your first experience in crypto. And whether it's your first experience or, you know, your hundredth, like we'd love to talk to people who who are at the intersection of nonprofits and cryptocurrency and really just looking to talk to as many nonprofits as possible. And so, yeah, please don't be a stranger. We'd love to come meet you and help get you on the platform. Well, again, Robbie, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thanks for sharing your expertise, real good overview of cryptocurrency and how it really does relate to nonprofits today and philanthropy in the future. So really appreciate you taking time. Hey, my pleasure. And looking forward to uh, 
seeing all of your listeners at Endowment. Hey friends, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on both iTunes and Spotify. If you're wondering how to find it, just type in the words Nonprofit Leadership Podcast and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review, give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast and your feedback will help expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as possible. You can also find other resources and interviews of past guests on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Again, that website is non nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.